Welcome back to episode two of Zooch and Wild College Football Podcast. In Zooch, it's back. It's back. Start off with a bang tomorrow. Florida versus Utah oh, without I'm, their 17th year I'm, quarterback. I am so excited. You know how I knew it was back? How's that? When when the referee in the Ohio SDSU game got drilled in the face. That's when I knew <laughs> it was back. That was a and cool that guy to so also, it, I mean, I love Week Zero because it's not the best teams. Like that SDSU quarterback, I don't know what his stat line is, but it was just such a brutal game. But it was football, and it was awesome, and I'm just so excited it's back. Oh, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I had to see. The Ohio quarterback that started the game actually looked pretty good. But then they put in that other guy, and he was not quite where he needed to be. All right, well, enough of SDSU Ohio. Uh, we apologize for the maybe one Ohio fan that's listening right now, because there's not many. <laughs> but uh, Zooch, you're Notre Dame fighting Irish. They looked good. They, they looked did look good. good. Also, before we get into this, shout out Vince Didario, the Notre Dame podcaster who pooped his pants on camera <laughs> in the podcast. Shout out, if, if, if you haven't seen the clip, just look up Notre Dame podcaster, and he had a little bit of a bowel problem on camera, but that was about the only problem that Notre Dame had all week. It was. They looked probably the best they had in an opener since. they. I think the, when they played Navy in Ireland in, like, 2012, the year they played Alabama in the BCS national title, they didn't, not the playoff years. They won that like 42 to 14 or something, but they defense looked great. Granted, Navy has been bad here recently. Navy used to be like a worthy opponent, but here recently they just, I don't know what happened up there. But They looked so bad. Wasn't there rumors that like Navy's going to come out in the shotgun and they had a quarterback who probably couldn't start at a high school freshman team in Southern California, Texas, or South Florida? Yeah, I I just don't know what, because the – one kid that was there that I want to say he went to the Ravens or the Patriots that was a quarterback there for a while. was like, good, like maybe it was like a 10, 11 win team for a few years in a row. And then they lost to Army and it's been all downhill since then. Yeah, I think Navy is just one of those schools. And I don't know, you can remind me, did the, uh, shoot, what was the old head coach at Navy's name? He was there for a while. Did he, did he leave or did he get fired? I think if your Navy, I think it was a resign or we're gonna fire you type situation. I, I think if you're Navy and you have a coach like that, I, it, it's almost like the Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern before. Obviously, we learned about all the stuff. Where if you're a program like that and you're not a real perennial power, if you have a coach that wins you eight, nine games every year, once every generation will have one magical year that you'll make a run and get double-digit wins and make it to a big bowl game. I think you just have to keep that coach. But I don't think Vince Lombardi coaching Navy would have made a difference because Sam Hartman looks like a legit Heisman contender. That throw over the middle that he – yeah, here's the clip. Vince Daddario. There he is. (laughs) Been there, brother. Shout out, Vince. No no harm, no foul. Yeah. So, yeah, Vince Daddario, if you're listening, love to get your – quote we, we we'd love a um uh, a statement in fact but yeah i was having one of those like issues a... this morning <laughs> trying to get to work i was walking through the student union building like and that fast it was uh, i'm not gonna run and look like an idiot because it's the beginning of classes i'm not gonna run and look like an idiot that's late for class but i'm gonna speed walk and the first three bathrooms i went to were all locked and then the real panic set in yeah always third floor of the library that's the move uh, but Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman looks like a legit Heisman contender. That throw over the middle he had, I think it was the second quarter, looked so good. I was watching it in a bar with a buddy, and it looked so good. We we turned the yeah. game off after that because it was over. Yeah, and he's had a, he's one of those guys that when you look back at him in like ten years from now, he has had the weirdest career. He was on that QB one show. And it was, like, the most – like, I remember him in the show, like, being in the ATV accident or whatever, some type of accident he had and was super skinny and was – I don't remember who he was on there with, if he was on there with uh, 
what was the kid that went to Ohio State and then Miami and UNLV? Uh, oh my gosh, Tate. Oh my goodness, this is gonna kill me. I should know this. <laughs> Give me one sec. He, I think he was on there on his season, but I might be wrong. He wasn't. No, he, he wasn't he the main wasn't. He wasn't, but Tate Martell. He wasn't on Hartman's year, but it was Tate Martell. Okay, yeah. So he wasn't like the main focus. Goes to Wake Forest. Is really good at Wake Forest. Like, probably would have been draft. I mean, looking at where some of the quarterbacks got taken in this year's draft, he probably would have been drafted pretty high. And now he's at Notre Dame, and who knows what they'll do. Like, I don't know that they'll win the national title, but. I think it's, it's the first to... time they've had a quarterback that look like looks that good since pretty much Brady Quinn. Like Sean Kaiser was fine. They had guys who were like could run but weren't the best passers, and then they had some guys who were terrible all around. I won't name names, but yeah, I think <laughs> it should be a good season. <laughs> Evan Sharpley, the worst. Uh but yeah, it's. It'll be an interesting season for Notre Dame. They have a tough schedule, like we talked about last week, Clemson, USC, Ohio State. So if they can, if they can get by with one loss, they're probably in the playoff based on the fact that Notre Dame and the one loss would be to a team that I would think is a playoff contender or quasi-playoff contender. But we'll see. Another playoff contender, USC. Same old same old with them. They will score yeah, 56 no. points. Yeah, Tr- transferring over to the USC San Jose State game, that game went exactly how I called it. It was going to be USC offense looking great in the first half. They are going to look unstoppable. Caleb Williams is going to make some ridiculous play, and they're still only going to be up like two touchdowns. San Jose State, they, they put up a fight. Like I said, they were gritty. They tried, and it came down to talent. I mean, this USC offense, it, it it looks like the best in the country. And I, I we are both thinking the same thing. If that JV-ass defense can step it up and Alex Grinch's bum butt can stop eating Cheetos, so I think that's what he does all week, and shine in his head, because he's obviously not creating defensive game plans. I said it last week. He has to have some sort of blackmail on Lincoln Riley, because if this defense is just average, USC's probably in the playoffs. Not only would USC have been in the playoff, but Lincoln Riley might have like three national championships by now. He, like, they made the playoffs three or four years in a row, whatever it was, and would always allow 45, 55, 65 points, whatever it was. And they just, the offense would be like, even that game against LSU, like, the offense put up 28 points and they lost about like 63 to 28. Granted, that LSU team is one of the best ever but it's just it's the same thing it would be one thing if it was all right he had good defenses three years in a row the last couple of years they haven't been great maybe he they just recruited their own guys but this is like year we're getting close to year 10 of lincoln riley being a head coach and it's mm-hmm. the same thing every it's the reverse iowa <laughs> the reverse iowa yeah we need to make a t-shirt of that he is the <laughs> Maybe Lincoln Riley and the Ferentz brothers should team up and they would be, be become an unstoppable team. They would, they would. win every year. That's funny. Uh, anything else you want to touch on week zero? Hank Bachmeyer played okay. I guess that's all. Hank Bachmeyer played okay. We were dying laughing because they started that second or third drive and I texted you, <laughs> Hank interception and coming. Yep. And it was the classic, like, I'm going to not put any – zip on the ball and throw it into triple coverage and it was picked off but I thought I mean it's an offense built to where you throw for 300 yards like most of it was yards after catch but I mean I think it still showed some problems that all the problems while he was at Boise State weren't him like they obviously at Louisiana Tech developed the offense around stuff he's good at not every quarterback is going to be you know Caleb Williams, and it seemed like when he was here, it was drop back, hope you have five or six seconds to pass and try to throw it down the field, which he's – that's not his thing. So I was happy for him. It was – I don't know how many more wins Louisiana Tech or especially FIU is going to get. I think their quarterback 
EFIU guy had like three yards yeah. of passing. Three yards. It was it was less. I think they showed the stat in the third quarter. There was seven yards of passing. But yeah, I'm happy for Hank. Um, I think it was the perfect scenario on it on. It was the perfect scenario for me because I got the laugh super hard at the interception, like Shank Bachmeyer, Shank Suckmeyer. But then he ended up playing well and got the win. And you could tell he was just he just felt so much more relaxed playing there right. than his last year at Boise State. So I'm happy for him. But now instead of having to watch FIU and Louisiana Tech, we got some big boy football coming this week, Zuch. And we're gonna start off with what we think's the game of the week weekend, one that Zuch is going to BSU Washington. Uh this is a game where if you're Boise, it's a lot of hype coming in. I'm that sounds so cliche. But it's the first time that they've played a top 10 team since Virginia Tech, right? In um, uh, 2010. For the first time they've opened up the, opened up the year against the top 10 team. I, uh, I believe so, yes. We play, yeah, When we so, played BYU, they were top 10 a couple years yeah. ago. But that was uh, not, a, not top 10 like Washington is top 10. Yeah. I mean, if you're Boise State, you're just looking at Washington's offense – what scares me is their wide receivers. I mean, they got Roman. It's uh, Rome. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's Rome something. He's blonde. He's if you watch the game, he's he'll have blonde hair, and he looked like a freak of nature. I watched him in the Apple Cup last year, and it's just making cornerbacks look like little kids. Um, but I think if you're Boise State, if you cover the spread, which is that you're the you're the spread guy, is it at two touchdowns now? The spread. I I think it's 14 and a half. It was I at think like one you, point, like 16 and a half. I think it's down to 14 and a half since that running you, back got hurt. I think if you cover the spread, it's a win for Boise State. See, that's where I differ a little bit because I think for both teams, it's a big game. You have Boise State coming in here recently. We haven't been beating teams like that. We lost the UCF game, lost the Oregon State game, just haven't been beating those teams. And I think you're at a point now where you have lost a little bit of your luster if you're a Boise State. Well, it used to be, and I think to a degree, people are still like looking at that and like, oh, that's a tough game. You know, Boise State's usually pretty tough. But you have come down a peg if you are two touchdown dogs It's to Washington. It's not like Washington is Georgia. So mm -hmm. I do think that it can't look like that Oregon State game did last year where you just look bad and you can't get a lead and blow it. You have to have a competitive football game to some degree, but I do think you need to start winning these types of games because you. They, I, I personally believe they've lost a little bit of that luster. And on the other side of it, if you're Washington, you want to be taken seriously as a playoff contender. And if you lose this game, you basically have to win out to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And you have a they have a pretty tough schedule. I think they play USC, Oregon. They Pac-12 is going to be a tough league this year, so they can't afford to lose to us. So I think it's a big game for both. I think it's kind of going to define both programs going into the year. Like for Boise State, it's a little bit different. If they do lose that, theoretically, they could win out, make the New Year's Six Bowl it'd be a great season. Washington, if you lose that, I guess you could win out too, but you're basically, you have to, they have to win out if they want to have the type of season they're expecting. Yeah. And with Boise, even if you do lose that game, then next week you have, against UCF, mm -hmm. you have to win. Like I, I get you could still win the Mountain West Championship, things like that. But if you start out 0-2, like we – we're what 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 one and four last year against out of conference opponents. I think our one or I guess two make two and four because we beat North Texas in the bowl game. But you, they have to start winning these types of games because that is going forward going to be what defines you. And that used to define them. It was you know, beating Virginia Tech, beating Georgia, beating Oregon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we're at a point where we're two touchdown underdogs to. Washington, not Georgia, not Alabama, not Michigan or Ohio State, Washington, who who coming into last year, I mean, 
two years ago, Washington lost to Montana. So it's not like they're a world beater. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you a question right here. And we'll, and we'll end this game on this. Obviously, if you're Washington, a Washington win, it probably is Michael Pennett's going off and throwing for 400 or 500 yards. If Boise State were to win, how do you think the game goes? I honestly think that everyone's saying it's going to be through the run. I don't. I had some time to look at stats from Taylor Green last year, and he did have a lot of rushing yards. But towards the end of this, like he had a, over 104 games, I think. But the Oregon State one, one of the runs came on a 75-yard touchdown run when we were down 17. Now, Utah State one came at the end of the game, and it was he ended with six carries for 91 yards, and he had a 91-yard touchdown run. So I think teams are kind of figuring out his – they started stacking the box against him, like you saw in the Fresno State game, and making mm-hmm. him pass. And I think he's going to have to pass the ball too, really well for them to win that game. And I think with the defense for Boise State's defense, they had 30 sacks last year, and people that were responsible for 17 of them, I think, seven, 16 or 17, are gone now. So if they don't and Washington has three new offensive linemen, but Scott Huff's their offensive line coach, and he's been – he's great. He was here when I was working for the team. He, They almost always reload with him. He's a great offensive line coach. So if we're not – if Boise State's not getting pressure on Michael Penix, who got sacked five times last year, it doesn't matter how good the secondary is. It's going to yeah. get shredded. So I agree with the part about Washington throwing for – that many yards. Granted, I do think if Washington can establish a run, it's going to be a very long day for that no, Boise State defense. But I, I, I think Taylor Green will use his legs and we will run it. But I don't think it's going to. Everyone keeps saying we're going to that Boise State's going to win the game by running like every play, and I don't think that's going to happen. Personally, I think yeah. Washington is going to stack It'll the be, box and make you beat. Make basically unproven receivers beat them. Yeah. Well, I know one thing's for certain, and there might be some grown men barking at you, but um, uh, it's gonna be. It's, it's definitely the game I'm looking forward to, and I think a lot of people in the country are. It's that it's the noon. It's the noon slot, but I mean, I'm excited. Um, yeah, and that's my thing is it's gonna get a lot of viewers, and if you're Boise State, you do not want to go into that and be losing like 38 to six at one point. That's just yeah. not, that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths for the rest of the year. And same thing for Washington coming in top 10. If you lose to a Boise state team, who's been down for like, we haven't won a big bowl game in 10 years now. So, yeah. Well, the, the probably the second most exciting game, uh, my brother goes to TCU is the, um, uh, the TCU. Colorado game. We got Coach Dion coming in. Um, I think TCU is going to whoop them. I really do think TCU is going to whoop them. They, they, yeah, I, they return Chandler Morris. I think Colorado has got – I saw some of those guys in that room. They probably got the worst line play. I mean, Dion even admitted it himself. He says, I got the skill, guys. I just got to build up the big boys. I think these guys are going to get pushed around. I think you're going to see flashes of those athletes that Dion brought. But I think TCU is going to start leaning on these guys, start doing that spread run that they did so well last year with Kendra Miller. I don't. They, they got that transfer from Alabama, who's, on, who's a running back now for them. And I think they're just going to beat them up. I really do. I think this is like a 35-10 to 10 game for TCU, maybe a 42-10 game. I really do. I really think that Colorado is going to – I'm not saying they're going to win the game because I think that, like you said, they don't – he brought in a lot of good guys, specifically at the skill positions. But he also – like I've been seeing stuff recently. He had Michael Irvin there, Warren Sapp there. I think he is a master motivator. I don't know how much Deion Sanders is doing like the X's and O's of – practice i don't think he, I is. he brought in like the like the kent state or some mac head coach to be an offensive coordinator like he right yeah was able to convince a head coach to become an offensive coordinator right i think he looks at it 
purely as like a CEO. And I know people say that all the time, like the head coach is the CEO, but I think he really looks at it like I'm the CEO. I'm going to bring in people who I think fit into what I want here. And if they, if they can get a little bit of confidence, I think, and I think they already have confidence. I don't see a team coach by Dion's that's like the most confident man in the history of sports. He played in a world series game in an NFL game, like the same day or whatever, a playoff game, something like that. So I'm, I'm waking up. I think that game starts at 9 a.m. West 9 a.m. West Coast time, 10 a.m. Mountain time. So I will be up just to see. I'm just excited to see Deion Sanders on the sideline, what he says in, like, the pregame interview. If they're getting yeah. killed at halftime, I think he'll be funny at the half. He's, like, he's entertaining. So regardless of the outcome of the game, he'll I think probably he'll be, be entertaining. I think that's a – Fox's big new kicks. So it'll be Gus Johnson and Joe Clapp, my favorite. Uh, if you do, if, if you ever did a high-low Buffalo of, of uh, announcers in college football, Joe Clatt and Gus Johnson are my favorites. So I'm excited for that game. You also might not have more of a mismatch in terms of athleticism between Deion Sanders and Sonny Dykes. Hey, <laughs> uh, Sonny Dykes, man. I remember watching him at Cal and somehow he went like eight wins with the number one QB. But I think that was more of a Cal problem. Uh, we will need a whole episode for me to talk about Cal. I can't, I can't even like start to get down that rabbit hole or we're going to be here for three hours. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Sonny Dykes, I mentioned he had the top quarterback and only won eight games. Uh, I think that's something that Mac Brown at UNC might be worried about too. Uh, the most exciting afternoon game is UNC versus South Carolina. And this is a battle of which QB really steps up, whether it's going to be Spencer Rattler or Drake May. Yeah, that one. And that's a weird, that almost seems like a game of the, whoever wins this game is going to battle to win their conference champ, be in their conference championship game at least. And the loser immediately is like, we're going to the Gator Bowl. <laughs> that. Well, maybe at least the Duke Mayo Bowl. At least the Duke Mayo yeah. Bowl. And it, and it seems like for whatever reason, it's going to be one of those that no, neither team plays really well and the final score is like 28 to 23. And whoever loses gets the ball down to like the 20-yard line with like 16 seconds left. And there's like an interception that goes right off the receiver's hands into the safety's <laughs> hands. And that's how that just strikes me as that type of game. of And whoever wins will bolt like 10 spots in the AP rankings. It's just a – I have no idea what to expect with that game. I mean, Mac Brown and UNC have been in this position, I feel like, the, the last couple of years where they come into the year ranked like 18 or 19 or 23, and by the end of the year they're unranked and playing in the Mayo Bowl. Like we say it's a joke, but that's what's happened to them since they made the ACC championship game like in the late 2010s, and since that year – they've kind of just been an average team and they've started to get some good recruits and you have a legendary coach and you have what a lot of people is the second best quarterback in the country. This is a game, like you said, that could really jumpstart you, especially in an ACC where it's pretty much a two-team league, would you say, with FSU and Clemson? Yeah, two-team. So you can really make some waves if you knock off one you can play for an ACC championship game relatively easily. I mean, their schedule is going to be pretty easy playing teams like Boston College and Virginia Tech. Yeah, enter Sandman's only going to do so much if Drake May is able to fire the ball all around the field like he showed flashes of last year. Yeah, that's a uh, – that kind of like that Boise State-Washington game seems like a – it's obviously not really a make or break. You could, like we talked about earlier, win out, but that seems – that seems like a game that's going to dictate how the rest of your season will go. Cause mm -hmm. for both of those teams, you can't lose again, basically. Yeah. And I can't lose again is a term that this is the game that I think the national, this is the last game we're going to talk about. This is the game, the big game on Sunday, FSU versus LSU. And I think this is the game that I kind of wanted to talk about. I feel like a lot of people have already talked about this game. I think this is the very, casual viewer, uh, viewer game. It's just two powerhouse programs. Uh, the, the, this game last year, if, if you watched it, it came down to the last second. LSU missed an extra point to lose the game. 
And I think LSU has the edge this year. I, I don't think I believe in Jordan Travis. Am I wrong with saying I, I don't believe in Jordan Travis? I think they're good. I think he's good. I don't think they're college playoff good like some people are saying. Yeah, I don't have FSU in the college. I, I think FSU will be really good, but I don't have them. If I had to pick a playoff, I would not have them in the top six. Like, they wouldn't even be one of the first two out or whatever they call it. They just don't – they have too many – they're not consistent enough. Like, I could see them winning this game, but I could also see them losing, like, NC State for mm-hmm. some reason. Or that's just how they strike me. <clears throat> and really the same with LSU. Like, I know LSU won the SEC West last year. I think that was a little bit of a smoke and mirrors. Like, they – yeah, they beat Alabama. Shout out, Cody I mean, yeah, they – I still think Alabama's the top dog in the SEC West. Like they, both of their losses literally were on the last play of the game last year. Everyone's kind of like, they're not doubting Alabama, but they're doing the thing they always do when you they do it to Clemson now too, where you don't mm-hmm. win the national title. And I mean, two years ago Alabama killed Georgia and then lost to him in the national champ. It's not like Alabama went eight and four last year. Yeah, they had a bunch of close games. Defense didn't look as good, but. I don't know many people who, in a life or death situation, would pick LSU to beat Alabama. Player, so I think it's this. I was going to say a player to look out for in this game. I mean, if you want to finish what you're saying about Alabama, but to get back on this game, I think LSU has a lot more talent that I think are going to explode onto the scene this year. Watch out for linebacker Harold Perkins. Started his career at Texas A&M. This kid is a freak of nature. He could possibly this year or in the next coming years be the best linebacker in the SEC. And if you have the best linebacker, best linebacking core, the SEC, which as much as people want to like change it, people are starting to throw the ball around. They finally incorporated the shotgun offense in the SEC, but this is still a defensive oriented conference. And I think that's going to be the difference between FSU. I think the speed of LSU's defense it's going to give Jordan uh, Travis problems. I could see it, and I know for a fact that within four minutes of LSU's first possession on offense, Brian Kelly's entire body will be red and he'll (laughs) be sweating and be in somebody's ear, whether it be an assistant coach or (laughs) Jaden Daniels. Someone will be getting screamed at within the first – he will have taken a timeout and exploded. (laughs) Brian Kelly in Louisiana, how's my fake Southern accent? Yeah. I love my family. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a deep uh, dive on Brian Kelly in the offseason. All I'm going to say is uh, crane and windy practice. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, those are the uh, big games we're going to touch on. We're going to go back to another recurring segment of ours called the Meme Matchup of the Week. And, uh, Zuj, I'm going to let you kick it off this week with your Meme Matchup. I looked and looked. Because I was like, this one is a little bit too obvious. But there is not a bigger mean matchup than Utah State versus Iowa. <laughs> yeah. First out of this game. So, Caleb Williams has played 26 games now, I believe, across his with his time at USC and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He has 67 passing touchdowns. Utah State and Iowa played in combined 26 games last year. They have 61 combined team touchdowns. And it doesn't, like, it's, it really is truly amazing. Like, Utah State, I somewhat get that they're not good on offense. But Iowa had, like, one of the best defenses in the nation last year and went eight, and they held opponents under 10 points, like, six times. Oh, my god! And I think they went, like, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It truly is the gift that keeps on giving. And they have... What Cade McNamara now from Michigan, and he's gonna change it. I mean, Iowa is like a good. They really are a good program, and like I said, opposite of USC, if they could even get to where they were scoring like twenty-eight points a game, they would pro- would probably be in the Big Ten championship. I don't know if they would win the national title game or win a playoff game, but when you have a defense that allowed ten points or less like five times in a season, if I told you hey, your favorite team is going to allow 10 points or less five times this season. 
and on that, like only one or two teams is going to score over 30 points against them. You would say, worst case, we are 10 and two, but eight and four. It's, I mean, that's why Brian Ferentz got the ultimatum where if he doesn't score, is it average 30 points a game? He gets fired. I mean, the Ferentz family, it's just the funniest thing. I think if this year for Iowa, you you can't get it done. They they went out in the transfer portal and they got, I don't know what tight end they got, but he's a kind of like that Shannon Sharp type, more pass catchy tight end. They went out and got McNamara, who we we can meme on McNamara all we want. He's better than their option they had last year. He's a proven player, especially in the, the Big Ten, whether he's electric or not. He's a solid QB. If they can't put together on offense this year. I think it's definitely the end for Brian Ferentz because he's going to get fired. And I also think this, you have to look at Kirk Ferentz's, if he can't put it together this year with the best QB he's had since CJ Beathard, I know it's so not wild to think the best QB since (laughs) CJ Beathard. I mean, that's like having, that's like having the best cup of coffee since drinking it out of like a bowl filled with mud. That's what that (laughs) is. But I think if he can't get it done this year, you have to look at Kirk Ferentz and go, man, I, maybe you you need to step down or change something because it's just not getting it done in the 2020s anymore. No, it's not. And you have, a, like I said, a good program that, like the Big Ten West, or yeah, they're West, right? Yes. The Big Ten West, it's not like the Big Ten West is a bunch of killers. All the good teams in the Big Ten are in the East. <laughs> Penn mm-hmm. State, Michigan, Ohio State are all in the East. You have to beat like Northwestern, Indiana. Yeah. Like you have to beat crappy teams and they realistically should be representing, they're, they're the best program in the East and they just can't figure they're it out offensively. For, not just figure it out. They beat South Dakota State seven to three. Like how do you <laughs> hey, score those jackrabbits, baby? Those jackrabbits. Shout so, out to uh, Dallas Goddard. He went there. That's probably the only thing I know about South All Dakota I know is. I am hammering the under in that game because I will not believe Iowa will score over 30 points until I see it because Utah State's defense can be pretty stingy. So, all right, we'll we'll see. I'm going to get to my mean matchup, and this is not a game, and it's not even a player. This is a very interesting mean matchup. It's Pat McAfee fans versus David Pollock fans because I know – when college game day is being played this, this Saturday morning, there's going to be people and their usernames are going to be like Rooster Lover Rick, Gamecock fan, father of two, uh, <laughs> loyal husband, veteran. And they're going to go, get this McAfee off my screen. I miss David Pollock. And I, people were just – I was watching game day uh, a little bit last weekend. And – I. I don't mind Pat McAfee. I don't think he's as good as Pollock, but I don't mind it. And people were just hammering him. And I think if you're Pat McAfee in, in that setting like he was last week in the studio where it's not the energy around him, he looks like a sore thumb. All right? And Pat McAfee needs to be in that environment where it's college kids screaming and everyone's going crazy on the actual live uh, sites. But no, either way, I'm going to love watching those Twitter interactions uh, mainly it's SEC fans who love David Pollock. A lot of Georgia fans were tweeting about Pat McAfee since uh, David Pollock is a ex-dog. But that's one of my favorite uh, pastimes these last couple of years is just watching people freak out. I mean, you guys see my thing. Uh, Lee Corsell needs to retire. Not because he's uh, was bad. Was he on it last it's, week? Was he no, on game and, last week? And, and, and I hope not because they keep trotting him out like a circus bear. Like, he's so old, and you saw it last year. He's so old, and I just want to remember the good times. I don't want him to – I don't know. Do you remember Lou Holtz towards the end of like his career at ESPN? And he was just be like, well, did that and then the stock, and then did, did they run into the ball? And they just looked – Lee Corso needs to be remembered for all the great things he did and revolutionizing – Like uh, calling the college. kid a midget. Yeah. <laughs> that or saying, ah, fuck it. Um, uh, <laughs> national television that was that's a funny one but i i just think just because it's different doesn't mean you have to hate it and there's also some changes to game day that i'm really liking stanford's i, I love the bear but stanford steve's gonna take his place this year and i love scott van pelt at night i love stanford steve 
Uh, I'm hoping they're going to get a little bit more into the gambling. I know that's what Stanford Steve does a lot. So that's an addition I'm excited for for game day. But no, those Twitter mentions of just, just look at Pat McAfee and you'll find some funny Twitter replies on Saturday morning. Yeah, the dog fans are not happy. They look at it as treason that David Pollock was <laughs> taken out of the crew. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, we're going to jump into the last segment of the show, obviously, High Low Buffalo. And it's going to be teams' attitudes after th- this week. So it's going to be our, our predictions of which team's going to be feeling good, which team's going to be feeling not so good, which team's going to be a little iffy or they're feeling okay. Uh, I'll start first. Um, pull it up. I got to pull up my notes. I, I touched on it earlier. My high, I said they're going to kill Colorado. I think this team is going to be fired up and they're going to finally shut everyone up and shut this Dion hype up. It's the TCU Horned Frogs. I think Sonny Dykes is going to run the ball down Colorado's throat. And it's going to be one of those games where it's, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be fluky. I think Colorado's young athletes are going to make some plays, but I think they're going to make some early mistakes, and they're just going to look – they're going to look like a team that's not there yet, and TCU will look like a team that, while they lost a ton of players, just played in the Big 12 in the national championship game. Uh, the team that I think is going to have a low – and please call me out if you think this is punching down, but it's the West Virginia Mountaineers. They <laughs> – open up the season versus number seven, Penn State. And when I tell you, I'm not a betting man, but if you were to hammer a team not covering the spread, I don't even care if it's 50 points. West Virginia is going to get boat raced by Penn State. Drew Aller, I haven't done a ton of research on him, but he is someone that everyone in college, uh, college station? No, it's not college station, Penn State. Uh, State College, State College, Pennsylvania. Why name a city that? That's a a topic for another time. But State College, he's supposed to be uh, the beast. He's supposed to have the talent of Clifford with the mindset of Tate McSorley. And he's just supposed to – apparently this is – people have been saying this is the year that Penn State's going to finally all put together. I think Penn State's going to have a USC-like offensive performance versus the West Virginia. And this is a – program that their coach is already on the hot seat could 100% see whoever see and that's what I think the issue is with West Virginia he, I think Neil Brown has no clue that he's on the hot seat I well think I mean he, you like, know all about Neil team. Brown and, and uh your experiences with Troy fans right yeah they <laughs> acted like he was the next Bobby Bowden like he's gonna grow this <laughs> program and he's gonna move on up like and Troy like Troy fans are a weird breed because I remember specifically a little tangent on them. I was at Home Depot <laughs> with my dad when I was younger and we were waiting in line and this guy comes strolling up with the buggy shopping cart. We call them buggies in the South and almost hits my dad. And he just looks at my dad and my dad had a Notre Dame hat on and he goes, well, excuse me, Mr. <laughs> Notre Dame. And my dad goes, you must be a fan. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not. I'm a Troy fan, a ULL fan, an LSU fan, and an Alabama fan. So Troy is like, <laughs> I think that guy's like LSU and Alabama. That guy might have been on drugs. Well, it's like Troy's one of those weird Southern schools that they do have. They do have a good alumni base. They do have fans, but all nobody really that I knew grew up and liked Troy more than they like Alabama or Auburn or they would go there because you know college is expensive you don't always get to go to your dream school specifically ones like that that are a lot more to go to than troy like people go to louisiana tag people go to louisiana lafayette but yeah he i honestly he just strikes me as the kind of guy that just doesn't like he could start two and four this year and get fired and be like i can't like why are you firing (laughs) like what did Um, i do to get here we i think that's not west virginia's had a tough couple off they had a tough off season with Bob Huggins and their football team not looking so hot, but they I think they're already low. They're that, that's why I mean it might be punching down. I think they're already feeling low, but I think it's gonna get even lower after this Penn State game because I think it's finally gonna hit them. I think a lot of West Virginia fans are in denial right now. And I think it's 
this game is finally going to force them to face reality that their team is probably looking at a two or three year rebuild. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the team that's my Buffalo uh, is going to be FSU. Cause I think FSU, like I said, is going to lose, but I don't think it's a game like Boise or Washington, where if Washington loses, it's like, Oh crap, we really got to bat in the hatches. I think FSU, if they lose, it's not, a bad loss. I know people and fans and coaches, they hate the term, oh, bad loss, it's still a loss. But it's not a bad loss. You lost to the LSU's a top 10 team in the country right now. So I think they're going to be that iffy team that if they lose, obviously if I'm proven wrong and look like a moron, they're going to be the high because beating LSU is going to give you the highest of highs. But I don't think they will. I think they're going to lose not by a ton but solidly and they're going to kind of be in that where do we go from here mindset so for yeah that that's a weird one because you can't you real you could recover from that loss like i said you couldn't lose again probably but that's one that you can salvage your season make a big bowl game have a lot to look forward to next mm-hmm. year for them so my high team coming into this, is going to be Michigan. And I know they play East Carolina. Our offensive coordinator suspended. Jim Harbaugh suspended. Michigan is already pretty high coming into the year. Everyone, like, everyone's saying... So you think they're going to smoke them? I think they're going to smoke them and get that, like, cocky attitude of, we don't need Harbaugh. We, like, we're good now. Whoever comes in, Mm -hmm. can coach. Like, you've had the Harbaugh back to the NFL rumors. All that kind of stuff. They're going to get really high, and Mich- I th- I do think Michigan's going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be really good. I think that that now they have Ryan Day's number. Like I, the other night, the Michigan Ohio State game from last year was on, and Ryan Day had no clue what was going on in the fourth quarter. How much beard dye do you think Ryan Day uses? He is probably has he's a, a lot big- of stock, and just for men. Just for men, yeah. I I think he uses he needs to start using the touch of gray because his he's not he's not as young as he used to. I think he needs to morph to the touch of gray because that straight black look is just not it for him anymore. <laughs> he he's an interesting character too. Now for my low, and I have some friends, I have some people that I've worked for that are big fans of this team. My low is gonna be Texas A and M. Oh no. They think it's gonna be they think it's gonna be different than years past, and it might be, but I'd be willing to bet that AM struggles on offense coming into that. And New Mexico is very, very bad. They New, Texas A&M should not struggle with them. Texas A&M should kill them, but something is telling me that that game is going to be like 21 to 10 at halftime, and they're going to want a new QB, want Jimbo <laughs> Fisher fired, all of the things that Texas A&M has become, which is really weird because, like, before Johnny Manziel came to A&M, I never, like, I knew of Texas A&M, but I never thought of them as this team with these high expectations. And specifically since he came and then they when they hired Jimbo Fisher, you have they to look have past had the donor money. You, for Texas A&M, sometimes you have to look past the donor money and realize it's a team that's trying to catch up. Because being, like, my age, I mean, there's kids who think – Texas A&M, and for this for no reason of their own, I sometimes believe this, and I have to remind myself, you think Texas A&M is this SEC institution. And they, like, joined the SEC in, like, 2012. <clears throat> so they're almost, like, right. catching up, and they have all of these resources. Because a lot of – they, I think, even after all the controversy, they still pulled in a top recruiting class, and they just haven't seemed to put it together. I mean, last yeah, year they, was brutal. They have – Speaking of meme matchups, they have quite possibly the biggest meme of a big three in the head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. They have Jimbo Fisher, who just is a walking meme. They have <laughs> Bobby Bikeride Petrino as their <laughs> offensive coordinator. And then their defensive coordinator killed a guy. Who's Carolina. the D coordinator? <laughs> the, uh, what was this? Hold on. I'm going to look this up. Bobby bike ride Petrino. Oh, we could do um. Uh, you know, if if Texas A and M loses, if for somehow uh-huh. they lose this week, you have to do next week's podcast and a neck roll. 
I should. DJ Durkin. <laughs> that kid died at Maryland when he was the head coach. He was the off- or he was the DC at Ole Miss last year. Now he comes over to the dark side with Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> and it's just going to be like I just cannot wait until that first game that the A&M offense is struggling and we just get <laughs> the split screen of Bobby Petrino in the box and Jimbo Fisher on the sidelines. It's just going to be – I just – I all I see with Bobby Petrino is the neck brace. Like, I cannot <laughs> yeah. – till the yeah. day I die, if someone brings up Bobby Petrino, it's not going to be, oh, he was a good coach. Not that he's a bad coach. I think he's fine, but – it's just going to be him in the next neck brace with the, the Allstate Sugar Bowl hat on. He's <laughs> got the cuts on his face. He's got the cuts on his face. And then just all Bobby hell Petrino. broke loose after that oh my gosh. started that getting is... released. Yeah, that really set now, Arkansas back, didn't they? It made them hire Chad Morris. So <laughs> they they took it. Things took a turn for the worse when he decided to get on the motorcycle that day. Uh, <laughs> then for my Buffalo. With the recent news that Cam Rising isn't playing, I think it's going to be Utah. Now, I know that's a home game. They lost in the last second, in like the last play to Florida last year. I think Cam Rising threw an interception in the end zone. But Florida has a little bit of hype to them. I don't think they're ranked, but they're Florida, so they're always going to have a decent amount of hype. And I think that's one that Utah could lose. Doesn't affect their conference standings at all. They have enough games left that. They could start winning some of those. They've shown before that they can lose two or three times, make a Pac-12 championship game, go to the Rose Bowl, that type of thing. And I don't know many Utah fans, but I never really see many of them saying they need to improve. Like, I think they kind of know, you know, oh, if we make – we, you know, we're competing for the Pac-12. We've made a couple Rose Bowls in a year in, in a row. So I think that I think Utah will still win that game, but even if they lose, I think. Which, granted, I just remember that Graham Merritt's is starting for Florida, so maybe I should change this. <laughs> no, but I think you make a good point with Utah, because you said Utah fans don't feel like they have to go undefeated, and I think that is a little bit of Pac-12 hangover. They realize, hey, this is kind of like a weird year. Because if you have that attitude in, in the Big Twelve, you're gonna get you're gonna be washed. But yeah. I think this year, like you said, Utah's proven that they can kind of be that team that goes, you know what? We'll roll with the punches. We'll beat every team we're supposed to beat. We'll go and beat up on a team like Oregon who doesn't expect it in the regular season, and win. Um, like you said, Cam Rising not playing in this game changes it from Utah easily to whoa, we got to hold on. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Cam Rising. I, I joked about it last week with his stupid bubble helmet and his stupid mustache. He looks like so greasy, but he's a solid quarterback and he's experienced. And like you said, no matter how good or bad Florida is, they're gonna come with athletes. They're gonna come with height. They're gonna come with energy. Um, yeah, I, I think Utah, you're sitting there and like, what if you only beat Florida by a touchdown and it's close and you are a ranked team and Florida's not? And how are you feeling after that? So there's a lot of variables, I think, how Utah can be feeling after Thursday's game. All right. And speaking of Cam Rising, I've got a what was the quarterback at Utah that looked just like him that start I swear to God, I thought him and Cam Rising were the same person. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to look it up. But he had, like, the exact same build, same everything. How long ago? Like, four to five years ago. He was he was a white guy, and I cannot think of that guy's name to save my uh, life. Cooper Bateman played at Utah? I did not know that. I'm looking at old rosters. Uh when did he come there? Well, I think Cam Rising, him him not playing makes this. Travis so Wilson. Much, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is. That guy, that guy I, don't, I don't know what he's doing, but it's not playing football at the professional level now. I can tell you that for sure. Now he, I mean, 
Sean, if he can bring up a picture of Travis Wilson. He he was the they're like Terminators, and he was the first one in the first Terminator. He's the that T- Terminator that the comes T1 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the T one, and then T two is pull up a picture with him with the really long hair. He played on the Rams. That's him. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I guess he did play professional football. I'm wrong. I don't know. Like, yeah, he. I legitimately when Cam Rising started that guy looks playing like, like he looked. He looks like he owns a successful Froyo chain. Yeah, he he's either that or he gets like cast in a movie as like the first victim that like the serial killer kills. At like the yeah. he's like the skateboarder who just like smoked a joint and like doesn't care. Like, he's like, oh, this isn't real. He kind of exactly. he kind of looks like. He looks like uh, one of the like older brothers you would see in like an eighties, kind of like a Stranger Things. He's like that he older brother looks that like a, the younger kid. Kind of looks like a um, uh, Jerry O'Connell if he let himself go. He does. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. legitimately thought that was the same exact like when Cam Rising started playing. I was like, how many years does this bastard have of eligibility? I thought it was Travis Wilson. For like, because tra- like. Utah is one of those weird teams that I feel like a quarterback will play and then get benched and then play and then get hurt and then play. And you have no idea if they're a freshman or a senior and you just keep looking and, oh, they're back on the roster. Like Cam Rising, I swear to God, he's been there since like – I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer recruited him to replace he was a Alex Smith. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's my age class of oh. – recruit class of 2018 um yeah anything else dude i don't think so excited for really tomorrow that utah florida game that one should be good we'll have the random like my oh miami versus miami on friday the confusion bowl so yeah that's yeah the confusion confusion bowl but yeah uh thanks for listening everyone next week we will learn about zuch's crusade to seattle and the sights and sounds that he experienced. So thank you for listening. And uh, if we'll see Washington wins by enough, I might have to run for president on the basis of banning the tornado siren sound because <laughs> that oh is my oh my goodness. That's almost as bad as the Oregon State turnover chainsaw that my friend Troy and I had to listen to fifty-five times in the first half of that game last year. Oh my goodness. Well, Let's hope there's not too much tornado siren in Seattle. Let us know how it went, and uh, let's be excited. It's week one of college football, everyone. Uh, thank you it for is. listening. We'll, we'll see you next we'll week. We'll see you guys next week.